This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back once again to the show. For joining us here on the Employment Hour, Liam Moody from the firm will be uh, taking care of things tonight. Your phone calls, questions, and your answers. Leah will be answering all those. We will get to uh, lots of emails as well. It is help at employment.com. And the phone line, of course, 604-280-9898 and star 9898 on your cell. Leah, my dear, we always start with the week that was. How was it? It was great. Thank you. Lots of <laughs> lots of interesting files opened and settled and discussed this week. There's usually a real push to get things wrapped up before the holidays, so it's been busy. Lots of employment contract reviews and severance package reviews and severance package improvements. Let's not forget that. And if this is your first time listening into the show, that is exactly what we do. We make sure that Everyone is playing nice in the sandbox when it comes to your employment. I'm an employment lawyer here in Vancouver, and I help people through various employment issues that arise in the workplace. So terminations, new contracts, severance entitlements, harassment, uh, leaves of absence, uh, relocations. If it's happening in your workplace, I can help you. And this show, The Employment Hour, is dedicated to exactly that, helping people with their employment issues. So if you have any questions or concerns, want to know what you're entitled to, what your rights are, give us a call over the next hour, and John and I would be happy to help you through it. Now, we start every show with a brief segment called The Week That Was. And what this is, is just a brief overview of some of the situations that I deal with on a daily basis, real people that I speak to and have helped over the last few weeks. And one of the things that really stood out about this past week is just how many people I spoke to that said, I heard you on the radio and I just had no idea that I was entitled to that much. I spoke to many people, so many people this week that were let go from their jobs, handed a termination letter and told they will be getting their full entitlements under the BC Employment Standards Act. Um, In some cases, these individuals were offered an extra two or three weeks in exchange for their signature on a full and final release. Luckily, they called me first. These kinds of termination letters are extremely common. Employers frame their position as being, you know, overly generous. They refer to the fact that you are getting your full entitlements and then throw another couple of weeks on top of it in what they call a gesture of goodwill. So people, I think, understandably see these letters and they think, well, it says I'm getting my full entitlements and they're even giving me more on top of that. So why look a gift horse in the mouth? Why would I even bother calling a lawyer? And it's because, as cynical as this may sound, a company is almost never going to just give you money out of the kindness of their hearts. Um, So I had to discuss the matter of entitlements on termination a lot this week, and I thought I'd discuss it on the radio as well. Um, The Employment Standards Act, it does set out an employee's entitlements in the event of a termination. If you've been there for more than three months, you get one week. If you've been there for more than 12 months, you get two weeks. And if you've been there for more than three years, you get three weeks, plus an additional week for every year of service to a maximum of eight weeks. And although it says the maximum is eight weeks, these entitlements are actually only your base minimums. 
They are your floor. They are not your ceiling. The only way that you legally max out at your Employment Standards Act entitlements uh, is if you have legally signed an enforceable contract that specifically and explicitly makes them your ceiling. Without this, so without a contract, you are entitled to severance under the common law. And the common law is essentially judge-made law. So for every case that goes through our courts and is decided by a judge, we get new law, and that's called the common law. And so the common law tells us that employees who are terminated are actually entitled to much more severance than is provided by employment standards legislation. I am not making this up. Um, In fact, the very rough metric we use to determine someone's entitlements under the common law is approximately one month for every year of service. One month for every year of service. This is obviously a big difference because if we're looking at a 12-year employee, the ESA would say you get eight weeks. Common law puts them closer to 12 months, so a full year of severance. This is, I understand this is ultimately part of the reason why I have a job. Um, There's a lot of confusing information out there from what your employer writes in your termination letter to what the employment standards branch tells you on the phone to what can simply just come up on Google. That is why I always recommend that if you're fired, if you're let go, do not sign anything. Give us a call, and we will make sure that you're getting everything that you're entitled to. Yeah, I'm sure most of the people that you talk to, their mouths will drop when they actually find out exactly what they're entitled to. And you can direct them, of course, to the severance pay calculator, right? That's, that's actually exactly what one yeah. woman said to me, that she was shocked that her jaw was on the ground when I told her what her entitlements were. Um, and that's exactly it. And, and I almost have to convince people that I'm not lying. I have no reason to trick the public into thinking this. Um, this is just what the law provides. There's just a lot of misinformation out there. And yes, the, the severance pay calculator can help you um, figure out what you're entitled to. This is a, a website an app. It was created by my firm, severancepaycalculator.com, and it helps people quickly and easily figure out what that range of their severance entitlements is. You know, we tell people all the time, call a lawyer, review the package before signing off on it. But we also understand that that can be very difficult in the moment. Um, You know, you're shocked, you've lost your job. So the last thing on your mind is what I've said on the radio on a Sunday night while you're making dinner. Uh, The employer is putting pressure on you to sign and you just want to get it done. But if you remember one thing, please, please remember the severance pay calculator. You can just remember to excuse yourself, bring your phone, Google severance pay calculator. You put in your age, your length of service, and the type of job you worked at, and you'll instantly know the, the range that you're entitled to, or at least give you an idea of whether or not your employer is in the ballpark. And that can help embolden you to say, I need more time, and I'm going to have this reviewed by a lawyer, because it is your right to take that time. It is your right to have it reviewed. Um, so severancepaycalculator.com for a quick look at what you could be entitled. Second situation has to do with what kind of workers are entitled to severance, um, because there's a lot of misconception around that as well. Um, I spoke with a guy just this past Thursday who is a driver for a company, and he was an owner-operator, so meaning he owned his own truck and he drove his own truck for the company. Uh, the company didn't withhold taxes from his pay, and he set his own hours. He didn't uh, hold himself out as an employee of the company, and they both referred to him as an independent contractor. So this past January, his boss told him, starting tomorrow, I'm not going to need you anymore. Uh, And because you're an independent contractor, you don't get any severance. And at the time, this made sense to the guy. He had always thought of himself as a contractor. And even when we spoke, everything he was saying certainly indicated that he was not, in fact, an employee. 
But our courts have carved out another category of worker, and that's between employee and independent contractor, and that is the dependent contractor. This is a worker who has all of the indicia of being a contractor. So there's no tax withheld from their pay. Uh, They own all of their own tools and equipment. They have a a lot of control over how much they're paid and when they work. And they, they may even work for other companies. But if you work so much for one company that you are financially dependent on the work that they give you, then you are a dependent contractor and dependent contractors are entitled to severance when they are terminated. Now, the gentleman that I was speaking with worked uh, 100% of his time with the company. So there was no doubt that he would be considered to be a dependent contractor. But depending on how long you've worked for the company, I would say that if your income from the company comprises 75% or more of your total earnings, then you've got a very good case that you're a dependent contractor uh, and entitled to severance. Yeah, some people assume just because they're uh, withholding their own taxes, that makes them an independent contractor. Yet, the person they work for is their sole uh, person to get income from. Exactly. And the court almost put no puts no weight on what you call yourself or what the company (laughs) calls you. And probably, honestly, as important as knowing how much severance you're entitled to is knowing which workers are entitled to severance. So the dependent contractors get severance and and employees get severance. And if you are an employee, it doesn't matter whether you work full time or part time or your employer is big or small, you get severance. We'll take our uh, first stop for the uh, for the night here. Email us, help at employmenthour.com. You want to phone in and talk to Leah, ask your questions, get them answered here on the Employment Hour, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on sale. And online, of course, vancouveremploymentlawyers.ca. This is the Employment Hour right here, 980 CKN and we are right back at it. The number is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell to call in. Email help at employmenthour.com. And, oh, we had Barbara there, but Barbara went away. I don't know where she went, Leah, but we'll continue until we get uh, Rick all lined up here. Uh, busting employment law myths. This is a big part of the show, and sometimes, you know, without giving a title, we, we talk about this stuff each and every week here. I'll start laying these out to you, Leah, and you can expand on them. Uh, first sure. one, my employer can't terminate me unless I've done something. Wrong. Oh yeah, Abs- absolutely, hands down, biggest myth there is, and and I think that's primarily because of the confusion with unionized employment, where uh, CBA, a collective bargaining agreement, will usually require there to be just cause, so a reason for any termination. But if you are a non-unionized employee, your employer can terminate you at any time for any reason, as long as it's not discriminatory, and they pay you your full severance entitlements. I have a lot of people who call me asking me if they've been wrongfully dismissed because they were terminated, you know, notwithstanding the fact that they were excellent performers or the employee with the most seniority or that they were terminated for no reason at all or a reason that seems to be less than truthful. So like a, a company says they're restructuring, but then you're the only one let go. But the only time the reason for your termination can give rise to a wrongful dismissal claim is when you were terminated because uh, of your gender or sexual orientation or gender identification, race, disability, religion, any of the immutable characteristics that are specifically protected by human rights legislation. Barring this, a company can terminate you because they don't like your sweater or because you eat egg salad in the lunchroom or for absolutely no reason whatsoever as long as they pay you the severance that you're entitled to. This is why knowing what your severance severance entitlements are is so important because that is ultimately the way in which you as an employee are the most protected by the law. 
Our says our law says that an employer can make any non-discriminatory business decision it has to or wants to as long as you pay that employee out. So if you're terminated, try to focus less on the reason and more on the package in front of you. We'll talk about that in a minute as we uh, get uh, to our first phone call here. Hey, Rick. Good afternoon. How are you? Afternoon. I've talked to Mia before. She phoned me back. And uh, the question I've got is a corporation in British Columbia is is a person. And if a corporation has a contract and that contract is terminated, is it entitled to severance? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question, Rick. So (laughs) it is. Um, And, you know, you go back to the definition of corporation to be a person. But the the primary consideration here is not that people are entitled to severance. It's that employees are entitled to severance. So unless you can frame that corporation as an employee, I don't think you can make the argument that a corporation is entitled to severance. Unless there's something built into that contract specifically that you've got to give them notice or a termination provision of some kind, um, then I don't think that they're strictly entitled to severance under the Employment Standards Act. Okay. I'll, I'll talk to you about it off here sometime. It's not happened yet, but it's something that's coming up. Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, lots of... Um, it, so a contract that's for a specific amount of time, for example, no, that it's, doesn't... It's been going on for 10 years, and... Uh, and and it is it's a specific type of contract that was framed for a reason. Okay, uh, are you are you a sole proprietor or is it a, a like an actual? No, no, it's it's a it's actually held under a family trust. Okay, uh, okay. I mean, that's it's it's interesting because if there's a way that we can make you out to be a dependent contractor, even as a corporation, there's an argument there for sure. But, but you know, we we wouldn't be able. Contractor. It is a dependent contractor. It's the only contract, and it's 100% of its income. Yeah, okay, so give me a call. Let's let's chat about this. That's very interesting, and I'd love to, to hash this out some more with you. Do you have a contract in place? Oh, we lost oh, Rick. Gone. Rick, I'll give oh. you the number anyway, uh, so you can call Leah outside of show hour, 604-283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123, Rick. And it is help at employmenthour.com. We're talking about uh, busting employment law. Miss, you know, we, we started on the first one. That is, they can fire you for any reasoning as long as they give you proper severance. And that's the thing people got to get over. Once the initial bucket of water in the face comes that they've been let go, okay, don't worry about that because if they're giving you proper severance, that is now water under the figurative bridge. So worry about what your proper severance is. But that's what people think. They, they get that shock. Like, they can't fire me. It was a model employee. He says they didn't like the color of my car. As moronic <laughs> as that sounds, they yeah. can actually do that. Well, that's the thing. And I say all the time, the law doesn't make people be smart at business, right? So the, the, the law can the allows them to make terrible decisions and keep the worst employees and fire the best as long as they yeah. give the right amount of severance. And, you know, that's not a very pleasant thing to tell people, but that is the truth. Um, so definitely focus less on the reason and more on the package that's in front of you, because that is how you're protected. And that's how you're rewarded for your years of service with the company. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell phone to call in right until the uh, the end of the show here as we get to 5 o'clock, uh, 4 to 5 each and every uh, Sunday employment list. We're busting them right here. I will lose my severance entitlements if I do not sign on the dotted line by their deadline, i.e. Friday at 5, right? Oh, yeah. An- another big one. And, oh. and your rights, your entitlements do not expire Friday at 5. They crystallize the moment that you're terminated. And no passing of deadlines is going to change that. So why do companies provide one? 
if it's essentially pressure. meaningless, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Sometimes they want to exert pressure on you. They want you to feel the crunch, feel like you've got, you know, this time limited chance to accept their amazing offer. And it makes it feel like an opportunity, like you've got no time to speak to a lawyer. Um, you know, if they're making it sound like it's something that might slip away, perhaps you're going to try to hold on tighter. Um, a less, you know, nefarious reason companies add a deadline is simply, honestly, for certainty. They want to be able to do the books close their file, they may have a monthly budget, and your severance payment is listed as an expense and can't be pushed over to the next month. Um, You know, there's all sorts of reasons why a company would impose a deadline on the package, but the expiration of your entitlements is not one of them. Now, I should, I wanted to say here as well, though, that it's never necessarily wise to ignore a deadline either. I always try to respond by the deadline set by the company simply to be respectful. And, you know, ultimately it gets negotiations started off on the right foot too. So if a deadline is put in front of you and you're feeling the pressure, what do you do? You ask them for more time. It's as simple as that. Tell them that you want to seek legal advice or just tell them that you want some time to talk it over with your family or think about it and you need another week. I have never seen this refused. Well, I can't. It's not legal. I have to give you that time, right? You have two years. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you, you technically have the two years. But again, you do want to at least try to communicate with the company about a deadline just in case there is something that we need mm-hmm. to address or attend to in advance of that. Um, but you can, always, you can always ask for more time. I bet you if you took uh, you know, 100 people that came into your office uh, complaining about that deadline on their severance offer, I bet you 98 of them would jump at that and say, i got to go. It's Friday at 5. i got to make a decision. Okay, screw it. Here, sign. I'm just signing right now without listening to the show or without contacting you. I bet you that's what the number they, would be. A lot of t- I, I, I totally agree with you. A lot of people yeah. don't even bother calling. And you know, I really encourage people to get on severance pay calculator first and foremost because that's easy. You can do that in 30 seconds and you can figure yeah. out what you're entitled to. But at least take the day and use that day to call me, to call a lawyer and get an idea of what your severance entitlements are so that you don't sign on the dotted line and sign away thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. If you have other questions in this regard, you want to talk about them here right till 5 o'clock or after show hours, I'll give you the, sh- uh, the number to call in now, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We're talking about busting employment law. Miss, another one is I cannot be terminated if I'm on leave. Yeah, and this is um, this is a, a bit of a specific one. Many employees, and actually a lot of employers for that matter, believe that being on a leave makes you untouchable. But legally speaking, this actually is not true. So as I said before, an employer can terminate you for any reason and at any time, and that includes you being away on a sick leave or parental leave. The key here is that the sick leave or the parental leave isn't a reason for the termination, not even a fraction of the reason for termination. So think of it this way. You can be terminated while on leave, but you cannot be terminated because you are on leave. Now, this is just the law, of course. That doesn't mean it's smart for an employer to let someone go who's on leave. I very rarely give my employer clients the green light to terminate someone on leave unless they've got like reams of paperwork to support the reasons for the termination. And those reasons obviously have nothing to do with the person being on leave. The problem for most employers is that Honestly, the optics suck, simply put. Um, If an employee says that they're going on leave and they're terminated one day, one week later, I think that the employer would have a terribly uphill battle Mm -hmm. proving that the leave wasn't a factor. So I would never suggest it from a practical standpoint, and it actually rarely happens. Um, But I think that you know it's important to get across that you are not legally immune from being terminated because you are on leave. 
We'll take a uh, short break here. Time to uh, give us a call. Get the phone lines full, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Talk to Leah about your employment questions. you got right up till 5 o'clock. Email as well, help at employmenthour.com. If time allows, we'll get to a few of those on the show this afternoon as well. It is the Employment Hour right here, 980 CKNW. And that number to call in and talk to Leah here from the firm, simple 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell would do just perfectly. Hey, Chris, how are you? Good evening. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. No worries. What's going on? Um, just a quick question for you. Um, I work in the transportation industry, and recently, about a year ago, uh, myself and four of my coworkers, which were long-term employees, 10 years plus, were... Uh, which were all hired as salary employees, were forced to go on to piecework on 30 days' notice, and it amounted to a rather large pay cut. Uh, I myself walked away like I just left and accepted their constructive dismissal. I I'm, I'm just would like to get your opinion on how difficult something like that is to prove in a court of law or, you know, to... Do they generally settle outside of court and, and, and such? Yeah, no, um, I'm very glad you called because this is actually very straightforward as far as constructive dismissal goes. So a reduction in salary, a reduction in pay is a textbook constructive dismissal. That's like lesson one of constructive dismissal in employment law. Um, this happened a year ago. And how soon after the change did you leave, Chris? I left... Uh, I think I left after my first paycheck, and it amounted to a 43% reduction in pay. Oh, yeah. There is there is absolutely no doubt. Lucky for you, you left in a good amount of time. So what happens is if, you, if a change like that happens um, and you continue to work there, you could be seen as acquiescing or condoning uh, the change. So the fact that you left after getting that paycheck is very good, and you're still within the two-year limit to bring a claim. So um, you're absolutely positioned to do so. Before we talk about what that looks like, because I know you had some questions about that, give me some information about your background. How long were you there with the company? I was there just over 10 years. Just over 10 years. And how old are you, Chris? I am 42 years old. (laughs) I had to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> and what was your position? I was a, a truck driver. I delivered new vehicles. Okay. And so I'd like to, you know, off the air talk about whether or not there's an employment contract or any kind of agreement in place. But I, there is not. Okay. So perfect. So somebody in your role, you're easily looking at at ten to twelve months of of severance. Do you have a new job? Yeah, I had a duty to. I was informed that I had a duty to mitigate. You do. It took me, it took me six to seven weeks find a new job and I was kind of waiting until I got my T4s from my previous employer and my current employer to kind of figure out exactly what the difference between the two, you know, between the wages were between year over year. Yeah. And, and is it a substantial difference? Uh, honestly, I don't, I, I couldn't say. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I missed out on, you know, six to eight weeks of wages and I oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. So, so let's just say that they're paying you, this new job is paying you 75% or you know less of what you were earning with the company. You're entitled to be compensated for those six to eight weeks that you were without compensation. And you're entitled to be topped up over the remainder of your notice period. So if we're saying your notice period is 10 to 12 months, then you get those eight weeks of full salary plus a top up um, of the difference between what you were earning and what you are currently earning. Um, so how I generally like to approach these things is we don't have to automatically go to court. I don't think that that often sets things off on the right foot. And many things are easily solvable by way of a couple of letters. Um, I write a letter to the company. I say, these are all the reasons why you are wrong and why the law doesn't support your position. And I essentially just offer to settle your claim. Uh, the company, hopefully, they will seek good legal counsel. Their legal counsel will tell them what I'm telling you, which is that they owe you money. And this can easily be resolved for you in four, six, eight weeks. Usually, it doesn't take longer than two months. Um, and it's, it's like I said, this is, this is a black and white case. So anybody who even dabbles in employment law will recognize this as a constructive oh. dismissal and that you're entitled to money uh so like something uh but i'm not entitled to anything other than just lost wages like the the company tried to force us into it uh by telling us you know we had to sign this piece of paper and if we didn't sign it we were effectively terminated on, on such and such a date well, yeah, and we can we can visit the details of the circumstances surrounding that in more detail off air, and we can mm-hmm. really dig into whether or not there's a potential claim for punitive damages, bad faith damages, things like that. Um, but, you know, let's start with the proposition that you're definitely entitled to money. It's just a matter of how much. And and I don't know if you can comment on this, but what kind of cost would, would you be looking at to get this started? Or is that something off the air? Yeah, I, I generally like to talk about it off the air. But what I can tell you is that we've got a number of uh, possible uh, permutations of agreements that we can reach. And I'm always willing to work with people to make sure that it's right for you and it's right for me and that you're not throwing good money after bad. You know, like I know that it doesn't make any sense for you to pay me more than you get back. Chris, here's that number uh, moving forward. You want to use this, 604-283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123. And we were talking before Chris called in about busting employment law myths, and that is one of them that was next on our list. My employer has the right to change my job duties, my pay, or my job location. Yes, and and that's one of the reasons why I asked about a contract, because unless the company has clearly reserved the right to do so, unless there's an enforceable, being the key, agreement or contract that you've seen and signed that gives them the power to change your job duties or your pay or move you to Kelowna at their discretion. An employer cannot, without your agreement, change the essential terms of your employment. Uh, And essential terms, they mean pay, they mean responsibilities and, and general job location. So if they change any of these terms, then you as an employee can either accept it as we said before, or you can treat the change as a termination of your employment. And this is where constructive dismissal comes in, which we just discussed with Chris. Um, Constructive dismissal, same as a regular termination, and it entitles you to severance. And you can't let this go on because if they change your location once or twice or or change your pay structure once or twice or three times, as you guys always say, silence is the same as acceptance. You can't go back on it once you accept it. Exactly. When Chris said that this happened a year ago, my heart sunk because I was thinking that he was still employed there. And and if that was the case, if he had kept working there for that year and accepted that change, then there's nothing that I could do for him at that point.
Yeah. Uh, this time of year, we'd like to get into this topic as well. Uh, first, I'll give you the number again, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell to call in with the remaining time we have on the show this afternoon. Uh, that is tips for the old company holiday party. Oh, yeah, good tis the season. Happening. Oh, yes. Sometimes when you mix uh, a lot of good friends you work with, a chance to cut loose, and uh, some adult beverages, things can happen. So we're giving you the tips on what not to do. Um, don't do anything at the party that you wouldn't do at the office. There's yeah, no honestly, this should be, I should make posters with this as right? a saying and just plaster it all over the walls of wherever the holiday party is. Don't do anything at the party that you wouldn't do in the office. Ask yourself, would I do this at my desk? Would I do this in the break room? And if the answer is no, or even if it's maybe, don't do it at your company Christmas party. This is because every work event is an extension of your workplace. Right. So all the rules governing employment relationships continue to apply. And that includes human rights legislation, harassment policies, and WorkSafe BC regulations. I repeat, you are not in a gap in the space-time continuum where the rules don't apply, much as it may feel that way sometimes. If you misbehave, you will be disciplined. If you harass a coworker, you may be fired. If you're a boss or a supervisor or in HR, you have the same duties that you always do to ensure a workplace free from harassment. So if you're not going to hug and kiss your colleague on Monday morning at the office, don't do it on Friday night at the party. Some people assume that because it's off work. It's at uh, you know a convention center. It's at the Holiday Inn. They've rented the the room for the night. They can uh, they can cut loose, but no. Oh, I I mean, and I get it, right? It there it is outside of the office. You know, yeah. it is like we said, tis the season. Uh, but but really and truly, all the same rules that apply at the office apply at a work event. It is an essentially an extension of the workplace environment. This is one, again, like you said, a bit of a no-brainer, but if you've got a very, uh, how do we say this, a very uh, wealthy company, maybe a generous company, you've got to monitor alcohol consumption, especially if it's an open bar. Oh, yeah, and this is, this is where I'm like the real Grinch here. I can hear radios clicking off all over the province. But, yes, this, this is wildly unpopular, but, but honestly, probably the easiest and, and most elegant solution, limit and monitor alcohol consumption. Perhaps consider not having an open bar, or if you have to have an open bar, simply not allowing shots. Um, Have drink tickets. Give two or three to every employee with the rest being a cash bar. Or make the whole thing a cash bar and offer wine at dinner. Or have your holiday party over brunch. Um, Just remember, no boss in the history of time has ever woken up in the morning after a company holiday party and wished that like all of their employees had just been a little bit drunker. Um, So monitor alcohol consumption. uh, That is probably the, the, the best piece of advice I can give you for the company holiday party. The number to call in and talk and ask questions, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We're talking about tips for your company holiday party and parties in general when it comes to the workplace. Uh, Call attention to inappropriate behavior, like quick. Oh, yeah. So all the same reporting and investigation obligations continue to exist throughout after work events. So in your now what I hope is your relatively sober state, pay attention to what's happening around you and to others. If you see or experience anything untoward or inappropriate, bring it to your boss's attention. Write it down. You don't have to tolerate anything at a party that you wouldn't tolerate at an office. So if something doesn't feel right, let that individual know, or if that's not appropriate, let, let HR or your supervisor know, or, know, or at least get um, write it down. Get the documentation going so that you have got a record of it in the morning as well. Tips for your company holiday party. This one is ne- is it's a necessity, bit of a buzzkiller, but necessity. And that is have and review harassment policies, 
These this should have been called like buzz killing tips for the company holiday party. <laughs> but but they are they are very important. So yes, have and review harassment policies. This is yeah. honestly primarily a tip for employers. Um, first and foremost, make sure that you have them. Uh, Work Safe BC requires it, and these policies should set out that explicitly harassment in the workplace is not tolerated and how harassment complaints should be made and dealt with. If you only have it in the company booklet that you gave to people when they're hired, post a copy in the break room, put it up on the internet, send it around via email, better yet have a meeting and go over it together. Just make sure that they exist and that people know about them. We're going to uh, take a short break, one final break here, and we'll uh, round up for some phone calls. If you want to call in, ask a question about that topic, anything else we've talked about tonight, anything about your job or your severance, no problem, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. we come back, we'll get to a couple emails to wrap up the show as well. Help at employmenthour.com is the email address. And if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, Lee has mentioned it several times during the show, find out exactly what your severance should be at severancepaycalculator.com. More of the show coming up, Employment Hour 980. CKNW. And back at it we go. The number is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on yourself. If you'd like to call in last few minutes of the show here, talk to Leah, get your employment questions answered. We'd love to have you on. In the meantime, some uh, some emails, help at employmenthour.com is the email address you want to use. That's, uh, Leah Frank writes in says, my former employee found out that I'm working for a competitor of theirs and is now threatening to take legal action against me. Can they? Any advice? Okay, so working for a competitor. Um, yeah. If if you are a uh, high ranking, more senior in a more senior position, then you may actually have a, a common law duty to not compete, and we should chat about that. But that ultimately is actually a very small subset of people. In order to be um, restrained from competing against your former employer, you've got to be the subject of a enforceable non-competition agreement. And non-competition agreements are very difficult to enforce. Um, I very rarely see any that I would think would hold water in court. They've got to be reasonable in terms of their Mm -hmm. time. They've got to be reasonable in terms of their geographic scope. our courts take restrictions on work very seriously. Um, and so it's more likely than not that uh, the legal action would be fruitless against you, Frank. Um, if you want to give me a call and talk about it further, I'd be happy to. And that's that's true for even non-competes that are written into contracts. They're not always uh, legally binding. I mean, that in, in, in a sense that they can always make it happen, although yeah. we can tie you up in court for a while for it. Right? Yeah, John, I saw one the other day that, uh, you know, it was probably reasonable in terms of time. It was for a year, but it said anywhere in the world <laughs> can't work, can't compete against this company anywhere in the world. Uh, well, that's like, narrowing it down a little bit. And and that's obviously an absurd example. It's a true example, but it is like it's an it's an over dramatization. But even if you know, I've seen Lower Mainland be ruled to be too wow. wide a scope. Um, so you've got to make sure that it's reasonable and you've got to make sure that it's justifiable. The company has got to be able to, to back it up and say, this is why we need this to protect our rights um, and our business. And if you can't, then they are out of luck, no matter how ironclad that contract otherwise is. Even if it's nowhere else in on the planet or in this world, as they said there. You're okay in the space station. There you can go work. But <laughs> yeah. anywhere else, you're, uh, you're SOL, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Melissa writes in. She says, I've been off work for seven years due to a medical condition. A year ago, received my 15-year service plaque from the company. My doctor has now cleared me to return to work. But the company says I am no longer employed there. What are my rights? 
Well, um, your rights are severance. So, um, and you are entitled to severance for the entire time that you've been there. Um, if you were off work for seven years, those seven years still count as long as you were an employee, even if you were off on leave. So uh, if you received a 15-year service plaque, I'm assuming that means that you've completed 15 years of service, um, and you are likely entitled to severance in the range of possibly 15 to 18 months, depending on your position and your age. Um, right. So you're absolutely entitled to severance uh, in this particular situation. Why would the company think, I mean, it's speculation say that she's no longer employed there because she's been off so long, even though they handed her a 15-year plaque? Yeah, there's this um, legal concept called frustration of contract, and it's right. it's very complicated. A lot of companies and employers don't really understand that. A lot of employment lawyers don't really understand it. So a lot of companies um, incorrectly believe that if you've been off past a certain amount of time, it means that you are, you're basically no longer employed there. It's, it's like a version of abandoning your job. Um, but... If that person is cleared to return to work and isn't permanently disabled, then they're still an employee. And the more you let them be on leave as an employer, the more their years of service start to accumulate and you will owe them severance based on their full, uh, the full time. Got about two minutes left to go, so I'll throw this one at you quickly from Will. says, I worked for a company uh, for five years, and sales position was just let go. They considered me to be an independent contractor. I worked just for them full-time, did not have an office. I paid my own expenses. Am I entitled to severance? No, well, this is just what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Um, So it's possible, Will, that you could be an employee, as we said uh, earlier, it, their consideration of you as an independent contractor means nothing. Even if you know it says that in your contract on all your paperwork, it doesn't mean anything. Um, what matters is the fact, as you say, that you worked just for them um, yeah. full time, and that you know you had an office and and you worked for them in the capacity uh, of an employee. It sounds like, but even if we can't make the argument that you're an employee, um, if you worked just for them, uh, even if you worked seventy five percent of your time just for them, uh, you're dependent contractor and as a five-year um, sales uh, individual you're, you're likely looking at severance of four to six months someone's going to ask well he's in a sales position so we can assume he's either partly or totally played on commission probably goes up and down how do you calculate that severance oh good question john huh? yes I've done this very a few good times yeah <laughs> so obviously if there's uh if there's base salary that's an easy one commissions they're considered your earnings and you are entitled to your earnings over your severance period. So whether that is a 50% commission structure, whether there's some bonus money in there, anything that constitutes your earnings, uh, you're entitled to receive over the duration of the notice period. So Will gets four to six months of his base salary, but also the lost opportunity to earn commissions. And what we generally do is we take an average, if it's calculated on a monthly basis, of the three months prior to that in order to figure out what he should be paid prorated over the severance period going forward. Another amazing job, my friend. We'll uh, we'll take it from there. You need to get a hold of Leah, Lior, or anybody else in the firm. Now the show is done for this week. Simple 604-283-3123. VancouverEmploymentLawyers.ca is the website. Email if you read those today. You'll want to write in. You can do that if you're bashful. Help at EmploymentHour.com. And if you've never used it, give it a try. Find out where your severance offer should be. The real number, the quick number. It takes about 30 seconds to go through, and you can hit a contact button at the bottom of SeverancePayCalculator.com. Until next time, this has been the Employment Hour, right here, 980 CKNW.
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.